Cameron DeFazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Before we get started in our regular lesson study, however, Pastor Howard, there's a couple of resources and opportunities we want to share with the folks today. That's right. The first is the Sabbath School Workshop coming up. The Thoroughly Equipped is our theme, and mm -hmm. we are going to provide some practical training for all those involved in Sabbath School who want to be better at those uh, carrying forward those responsibilities mm -hmm. in a mission-minded way. Uh, that weekend is going to be at our own Campus Salva here in Michigan from October 29 to 31. October 29 is a Friday, begins that evening, so people yep. will drive up after work, more than likely. Mm -hmm. And then um, all day Sabbath, and we finish by, I think, noon on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Again, there's going to be a lot of uh, practical uh, tools and training there that will help you out in your uh, Sabbath school responsibilities. And if you go to michigansspm.org right now, in fact, here it is on my phone, you can see it. The very first mm -hmm. thing is a click on this banner. And there's the registration form that has all the lodging and food and all the different options that you can register right on your smartphone right now. So that's, that's right. Pretty cool. And while you're on your smartphone, why exactly don't you tell them right. about the new app? That's right. Well, it's a Sabbath School app for the General Conference called, if you click on this little icon, it's opening that up, and boom, you have the official Sabbath School app of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. In fact, mm. let me give you a hint. It's not just the Sabbath School app. It's the SSPM app That's because right. it's going to be continuing to grow and not only have Sabbath School, but also personal ministries resources coming right. down the line. But for now, you can find all of your regular Sabbath School quarterly lessons. What else can you find on there? But Pastor when you Cameron? click on any one of those, like I just clicked on the first one in quarter three here, and living in a 24-7 society, right up at the top right, this is on the iPhone application, you can not only find the language thing, but you can also find an audio where it will read it to you, your lesson, or the video button, and look at all these other video resources like Hope Sabbath School, It Is Written, uh, Television, uh, the Sabbath School Study Hour, and the very last one there is they, Talking Points. They save the best for last. Yeah, as they want to do. So <laughs> anyway, we wanted to let you know about the training that's coming up at Campus Sable, October yes. 29 to 31, and also the Sabbath School app where you can find not only Talking Points, but all kinds of other resources for your Sabbath School preparations. That's right. So we now, are now... what else today? <laughs> what else? What other unique... Uh, 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 situation have we entered into? Today? I believe it's... we have come to the very last lesson in this quarter study on rest in Christ. And the title of this week's 13th lesson Sabbath. is The Ultimate Rest. And this is, of course, 13th Sabbath. Yes. And I think that's where maybe you were aiming for is that this Sabbath is not only the end of our quarter, but it's also the high point of our mission giving. That's right. And 13th Sabbath offering. By the way, all the offerings for the 13th Sabbath projects are in the North American division this yes. time. So, uh, you know, we have foreign missions somehow right here at home. Yes, and it's pretty right. cool. So please give sacrificially to the 13th Sabbath offering. But with that said, we are on the clock here and we need to talk about this final lesson, lesson 13, the ultimate rest. And you know, I was thinking it was just going to be g generically talking about heaven, but I was pleasantly surprised that there was a really good framework for big picture uh, um, security and rest that we find in the Word of God. So I was well, really excited about that. Why don't we pray, that. and then you can tell us the talking points Please for this week, and we'll dive into it. Let's okay. pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can have rest in Jesus. And Lord, as we have had opportunity to meditate about that this quarter, we pray in this last lesson, your Holy Spirit would continue to guide us into a clearer understanding of your truth, not just theoretical, but practical, Lord. And we ask that you would bless our hearers as we go through this presentation. And we thank you for hearing and answering, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, titled The Ultimate Rest, um, 
this lesson, well, in, on the very end of Sabbath afternoon study, it said, This week, we will look at how we can rest in Jesus right. in the face of global unrest and our unknown future, at least in the short term. In the long term, things look very promising indeed. So essentially, it's the short term versus the wider angle lens that the scripture provides with the great controversy, with the prophetic scenario and our mission for the Lord. A lot of things we can rest in, even though the world is crazy. Right. All right. So talking point number one is a prophetic perspective gives peace of mind. That's taken from Sabbath, Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday. So that's the bulk of this week's study is going to be that idea. But it's that wide-angle lens of Bible prophecy and our place in it that gives us peace of mind when the world is in chaos. Okay, Mm. number two, talking about number two, we have a clearly defined mission. And that's from Monday and Tuesday. Basically, more than just having a place in history, we have a role in the work in these last days. And finally, number three, talking point number three, peace is a choice. That's taken from Thursday. Hmm. That God offers us that choice, and do we choose to enter into that rest that he provides? All right. So it's a great study. Let's go back to talking point number one, how a prophetic perspective gives peace of mind. Now that just arrests my attention right away, because it's so often that we hear that prophecy robs us of peace. <laughs> I guess that's prophecy true. Prophecy makes us afraid yeah. and prophecy... And you do hear that. exactly yeah. the opposite, isn't it? That, that Right. As we're going to go through here. Well, first of all, when we talk about prophecy, sometimes we think only end-time prophecy. Mm-hmm. But when the Bible actually gives a prophetic uh, viewpoint that's bigger than end-time events or even our current circumstance. That's it goes right. all the way to the beginning of the issues to the very end. And so we call this what, meta-narrative the great controversy, right? This all-encompassing backdrop for everything. Right. And the Bible describes it in many, many passages. I just put a couple in the notes there. Revelation sure. 12, 7 through 12, where it talks about the fall of Satan from heaven and, and then how he's going to be destroyed at the end. And Nahum chapter 1 verse 9 says, What do you conspire against the Lord? He will bring an utter end. Affliction will not rise a second time. That's right. So when we understand that great controversy overarching theme, we can have peace when stuff on a weekday is crazy. We pan out and we say, whoa, 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 there's a much bigger picture here. Right. Sabbath afternoon's quarterly says, In the confusion of events, we can easily lose the big picture of God's escape plan for this world. Wars, political unrest, and natural disasters can hold us in helpless terror, but God's prophetic guidance can help us to keep in mind the big picture of where we are going and how we will get there. Amen. And so that was the very first sub-point under that is when we talk about prophecy, we need to pan out to the largest wide-angle lens we can, which is the great controversy. Now, stepping more specifically, point number two, within that first talking point is that the Bible's in-time prophecies do pinpoint our place in the storyline of redemption. So we're not just somewhere in the flow of this big picture, but we have a specific spot in it. Uh, We think of, the quarterly brought this out when the Apostle John was on the island of Patmos, how discouraged he must have been looking at his circumstances, but says the great apocalyptic vision John has recorded in Revelation helped John confidently to rest in God's provisions and promises. Mm. So he found his place. I know why I'm stuck on this rock. I have a purpose. And it gave him confidence. And similarly, as we look at the end well, time Well, you events, also see the outcome. Profo- mm-hmm. Prophecy always provides, it doesn't leave you where you are. Mm. It gives you the outcome. And, you know, like the old saying says, I've read the end of the book and we win. You know, yeah, we've, got the, we've got a, a, a positive ending to this whole amen. thing. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And prophecy Amen. helps to do it. Well, and specifically going to our place, our chronology in this timeline, we know that we are not only 
again, somewhere in the flow. We happen to be living in the very end of this flow where these right. end time prophecies are really taking their focus. And specifically, I'm thinking of even the prophecies Jesus gave of the signs of his coming. We can look all around oh, and absolutely. we can see wars, rumors. Wars. And so while those very things might be the very things that are making the awesome. world uneasy, yeah. we can have a confirmation of the sure word of prophecy and say, wait a minute. I can see why those are disturbing, but praise the Lord, this is a sign of his soon coming. It makes me think of, uh, Pastor Richard O'Phil used to say that uh, uh, Adventists, almost to a fault, get excited when we see disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jesus is coming soon. Kind of was See like, how bad you know, that war okay, got? Okay, try to show a little compassion <laughs> and sympathy for the people. Who, but the idea is, it's not nothing is total disaster for mm. us because we know that those are the so birth. True. You know, you think of the the prophecies of Jesus uh-huh. that these are the beginning of sorrows or birth pains. You know, birth pains are are advertising a coming deliverance. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, when the woman is going to give the child, uh, have, when the woman's going through the the labor pains. She knows at the end of that, a baby's going to be there's born. a resolution coming. Yes. yes. And so, it, likewise, Jesus likened these signs. Yeah, you're going to see wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilence, circulations, mm-hmm. etc., these things. But they're signs that something better is Amen. going to come. Amen. And it's in that context we go to a third sub-point under this first talking point. And is that understood from this prophetic perspective, this, cosmic, it is, this cosmic you know, viewpoint, that even death is merely rest. The concept that mm-hmm. if I know how the story ends, I know how it started, I know what Christ did to bring it to, you know, in the cross and then our place in the end of the... As we look at that, that death, as the Bible re- repeatedly affirms, is but a sleep. It is something to be sorrowed, but not sorrowed like those who have no hope, that there's the hope at the other end of it, that this world is not all that there is, and that gives us a peace of mind that others simply don't have. I see you're looking up a passage in Scripture. Well, I was just in our family worship the other day. We were going through Romans 6, and the apostle says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Now, he's just linked that we're going to live with him. He, Jesus, he dies no more, and he says, death no longer has dominion over him. Mm. So even for, uh, the, even though we can face the, the first death, the mm-hmm. reality is that once we accept Christ, we are heirs to eternal life. Amen. And so, as you mentioned, the, even death is not a permanent thing for us. Right. And that has to change the perspective, you know, uh, uh, I could say a lot about our society today and fear of death. Mm. The Bible talks about how fear of death has kept many all their lifetime and subject to bondage. You know, it's people's greatest fear. But the Christian doesn't need to share that fear. Amen. Because it's not, doesn't have the permanence that it does for those who don't mm-hmm. have that hope. Well, even inside, the text I was thinking of was Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, when you yes. have these... You know, the, the critical time in the last days when the three angels' message is given, there's the mark of the beast and sides are being chosen, and right here's the patience of the saints, right? But in even in that context, you read in verse 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Mm-hmm. That when we die in the Lord... We're dying, yes, a first death, a temporal death, but we can rest from our labors knowing that well, you we're think in Christ's about the sands. Resting from the labors. I mean, now, if you're, if you, 
if you're tired from a long day's work, rest is refreshing. Mm. Unless you think you're never going to wake up. You know what <laughs> right. I'm saying? Like, so death yeah. in most cases for people is it, but the, the way the Bible treats it in this context mm. is it is you're weary, go to sleep, get your rest. And you're going to wake up from that. And Amen. when you wake up, man, oh, man. It's a whole new day. Yeah. Whole new day. <laughs> well, in fact, why don't you read from Desire of Ages 787, Mrs. Sure. White's comments here. To the believer, death is but a small matter. Christ speaks of it as if it were of little moment. If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. He shall never taste of death. To the Christian, death is but a sleep, a moment of silence and darkness. The life is hid with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. That's mm. Colossians 3, 4. So as we look at the origin of evil, Christ dealing with it, the end time events, our role therein, and the hope that we have in Christ, that, right. that whole prophetic outline, each step of that is confidence-inspiring, and we can trust in God and rest in him, even if death is our lot. It's not the end of the story. So we've talked about this with the quarterly before, that the rest we're talking about is a spiritual rest. And the unique thing about spiritual rest is in, in, in the temporal world, rest can only come with absence of strife. Mm -hmm. But in the spiritual world, you can have rest in the midst of strife. Yes. So in all the conflict and all the mayhem that's going on where people say, how could I find rest to the person who's spiritual? It's in, much of it is in these promises of knowing that what we're dealing with mm-hmm. is temporary, but the unseen things are eternal. Well, and I would say that downstream even of that, yes, the eternal then is the great peace of mind that we have, but yes. it will it will reverberate into the other areas of our life. We'll probably get better temporal sleep and have That's better exactly you know, right. outlook and, and health just even now, because spiritual life is not just an insurance policy for later, right. but now I'm dr- that that knowledge, that framework can affect every aspect in our lives. And so eternal life truly can start now. And even if we have to go through temporal death, it's sure. just but a moment. You're talking about Jesus in the storm where the disciples are panicked. We're right. going to die and Jesus is sleeping. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and that, friend, is rest in Christ. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we got to move on. Talking point number two. In the light of this context of the scripture's you know, prophetic picture, yes. we then have a clearly defined mission. Indeed. That we don't just... Because we could leave it at talking point number one and say, all right, we know how the story ends, we know how it started, we find our place, and we can rest easy. And even if we die, we die. But that's almost too passive of a posture that I think that Scripture doesn't, you know, let us off the hook so easily, right? That in this picture, we have a work to do. That's right. And I put this note in the talking point, clarity of purpose in life is a type of peace many lack. I don't know if you've ever run into this. I'm sure you have. People mm-hmm. like, they don't know who they are, what they're going to do, or where tomorrow holds for them, right? But Seventh-day Adventists have no need to suffer such restlessness. We do not have to toss about, like, I wonder what I'm supposed to do. No, we know what we're supposed to do. We have our marching orders. We've shared the statement before, and I don't remember off the top of my head where it is in Desire of Ages. It's in the chapter, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. But mm-hmm. Ellen White says, she speaks of the Holy Spirit as a comforter. And in that context, she says, there is comfort and peace in the truth, but there is no comfort in error or falsehood. Mm-hmm. Much to what you're talking about, there's a type of peace that comes from having that, from knowing where we're heading, from knowing the mm-hmm. Lord, from having that level of confidence, it brings a level of peace that you can't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Certainty. Yes, there's a certainty. And again, it's not just 
a certainty that things are true, yeah. but now I have an active part to play in God's plan for this world. So That's I right. have a purpose and a mission. In fact, the quarterly brings this out at the end of Monday's lesson in paragraph yes. seven, at the very, very bottom, Last it says, one. yeah, in this cosmic conflict, we are more than just observers. We are to be active participants in spreading the gospel to the ends of the world. And so our role in this is not merely to watch what Jesus is going to do on the good side and watch the world fall apart on the bad side. We're supposed to be active in this. That's right. And you have as a, a sub-point here the mm -hmm. gospel, as it mentions here, um, includes the present truth of the three angels' messages. Yes, it Sometimes does. Sometimes there's this mindset of, and I've even heard it expressed, like, you know, we need to preach the gospel and the three angels' messages. <laughs> and it's this, as if there's this addendum to... Well, but when you go to the book of Revelation, yeah. I want it, I I don't want to be clear. I don't I don't disagree with anything you're saying. In fact, if you go to Tuesday's lesson, mark that down, folks. <laughs> in that sentence, I didn't agree with anything he was saying. But you said sometimes that. you hear the gospel and yes. distinctive Adventist three angels message yes. type of stuff, right? I kind of noticed a, a a hint of that on Tuesdays. If, if you look at paragraph one, two, three, four down on Tuesday's mm -hmm. lesson, it says, speaking of this three angels message, present truth, it says, notice it starts out with, quote, the everlasting gospel, the wonderful news of Christ's death and resurrection. So apparently the gospel is the news about Christ's death and resurrection mm -hmm. upon which our hope of salvation rests. There is also the message that the hour's judgment has come. Yeah. And it, so it implies that the gospel so is Christ's death and resurrection. So it just separated his priestly work from right. the rest. And my point is that the gospel is always the work of Jesus, whether it's being born in a manger from or being dying on the cross or yes. interceding in heaven or coming back as king or even judging now that's on right. his throne in the most holy place. But that's all the gospel. That's right. And that whole message of Christ is what the three angels' messages points out. And of course, I'm sure that the author of the lesson wasn't seeking to detract exactly. from that, but just to, I just, want to, just want to clarify that, yeah. that the Seventh Day Adventist, the uniquenesses of the Seventh Day Adventist message are not an addition to the gospel, because when we, once we start thinking that way, it doesn't become essential. It becomes mm. a non-essential. It's like the gospel we know is essential, but this isn't necessarily essential. No, it's part of the gospel yes. message. And well, and I wanted understood. to demonstrate this. And, and I, I like sure. the way you put it. We're talking about the gospel is the work of Christ, and the work of Christ did not end with his ascension. Amen. Right. Well, and I wanted to point that out from Scripture. In Matthew chapter 24, you and I have talked about this a lot. I'm not sure if we've shared this on Talking Points yet or not. But when Jesus, talking about those end-time prophecies, uh, the signs of his coming and whatnot, in yeah. Matthew chapter 24, after he talks about how false prophets will rise and many will be deceived, verse 12, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will go cold. But then it says in verses 13 and 14, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So you have all the difficulties of, you know, tribulations mm -hmm. of the last days, but there will be those who endure to the end, right? okay, that he mentions, and the gospel will be preached in that context, and then the end will come. Then if you go to Revelation chapter 14, that's exactly what you see happening, starting with right. the verse 6 with the three angels' messages. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach those who dwell on the earth to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. What's it say in verse 7? Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. Saying, so having the everlasting gospel. Thank you. What's he doing? He's, here, here it comes. Yep. He's saying, what's he saying? The everlasting the gospel. gospel. Quote, 
Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. So that's the first part of it, the everlasting gospel in the mouth of the angel. Right, so as the, the, we have an actual picture of the gospel going to every nation, to the whole yes. world, in the last days, just like Jesus that's had right. foretold. And what's being said? The hour of his judgment, worship him. There's talking about the Sabbath, the judgment, the distinctive right. doctrines of the seven days. The of Babylon, the Mark So of you East. can't say there's the gospel, and then there's this added Adventist stuff. That's right. No, you can't, because the whole message is the gospel. And you come to verse 14, and the end is coming. You've got Jesus represented as coming in the white cloud. Exactly. So, exa so Revelation 14, those three angels' messages, is simply a detailed retelling of what Jesus foretold in Matthew That's 24. That's right. It's the fulfillment of his words. Thus, if you could read for us Evangelism, page 120. This yes, it says, in a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. On them is shining wonderful light from the word of God. They have been given a work of the most solemn import, the proclamation of the first, second, and third angel's messages. There is no other work of so great importance. They are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. The most solemn truths ever entrusted to mortals have been given us to proclaim to the world. The proclamation of these truths is to be our work. The world is to be warned, and God's people are to be true to the trust committed to them. Mm. So talking point number two, we have a clearly defined mission. Absolutely. We're to give the gospel in its entirety to the world That's as a right. warning before Jesus comes. Okay. So let's move on to our final talking point then that I took out of this week's lesson, and that is peace is a choice. And I say that because God can provide that prophetic outline. He can give the promise of the Holy Spirit. He can even give us the assurance of salvation if we lay our lives in it. But it's still mm -hmm. all of that that he provides is dependent on our choosing to take advantage of those precious privileges, right? That's right. And so I put in the talking point here, God has made ample provision for our temporal and eternal happiness. Right. Think of creation, the plan of redemption, prophetic guidance, the promise of a new heaven and new earth. We could go on and on and on with all the different ways that God has promised to well, let, improve I our lives. I want to clarify, like, okay. what comes to my mind here is Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Far too many Christians read this from a pagan, heathen perspective, and that mm. is... We have peace with God. Jesus died on the cross, and now the God that was against us is now for us. That's heathenism. Like Christ like turned God God's peace, mind around on right. us. Right. And, and what the Bible's trying to tell us is when we're justified, the peace with God, and it was E.J. Wagner who brought up the point that peace is simply the absence of war. So the question is, who's fighting who? Mm. Was God fighting me up until the time that Christ died? Mm. Or was I the one fighting God? In justification, mm -hmm. does God stop fighting me? Or is justification the time when I have chosen My to quit will. fighting God? Exactly. I surrender to that. And yeah. so when you talk about peace being a choice, we act like, like helpless victims and like, you know, it's up to God when he's going to decide to be nice to us. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, am I choosing to quit fighting the will of God? Because the, the unrest, mm -hmm. as we talked about in the lesson this quarter many mm -hmm. times, comes from my own rebellion. Mercy. Instead of just yielding my will to God, and I'll experience mm -hmm. the peace that comes from not fighting against his will. Mm. Well, thus, I put that second sub-point, the only impediment to our rest in Christ and the experience of peace he provides is our decision to follow him. That's right. So it's not like God was against us and Jesus had to change his mind. or whatever. There's some obstacle. God has said, here's everything you need. Come follow me. That's right. right. I'm thinking of Philippians chapter 4. You want right. to look that one up real quick? Sure. 
Philippians 4, four verses 4 through, four through six. 6. And this was also listed as one of those key texts in the in the lesson this week. Galatians, Ephesians, <laughs> Philippians. <laughs> my, my page is just sticking here. Okay, verse 4. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Mm. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Mm. That was through verse 7. I love that. But notice it's always not just a, you know, just be happy kind of rejoice, right? It's specific. Rejoice how? In the Lord. Let, you know, the Lord is at hand, verse 5. Be anxious for nothing because we can take everything to God. That, well, yeah, that, that point there, be anxious for nothing. Like we started off on that. Be anxious for nothing. In other words, there are things that would make a person anxious, but the context is be anxious for nothing. Why? Because you can make your request known to God. And you know God's not off in a distant land somewhere. He hears mm-hmm. those requests. He will answer. We believe that he loves us and wants to do mm-hmm. what's best for us. And so we don't need the anxious mm-hmm. attitude. God's right at hand to to call on. And if you knew that you didn't have to be anxious anymore, that God's got your big picture, best interest in mind, is going to listen to your daily needs, you can rejoice in all things, right? That's right. And Paul, this is the one who's been... (laughs) Because the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. Exactly. And minds. It's beyond knowledge. It's beyond understanding. You can't really explain it to people, but... This is a Paul who'd been shipwrecked and beaten and abandoned and disheartened right. and imprisoned. And he's able to say, like, yeah, but in the end, I got Jesus, so I got it all. You know, if right. we have that kind of mindset, our our mentality, if you will, is essentially bulletproof, right? That's um, right. And the quarterly brings this out. Uh, in Thursdays, in paragraph three, it says, In this passage, Paul is not saying to rejoice always in all the trials that you are facing. He is saying rejoice in the Lord always. So it's right. not the trial that's making it joyful, but it's the fact that this isn't the end of it, right? No matter our present situation, no matter what trials we are facing, if we dwell on God, on his goodness, his love, and on his sacrifice on the cross for us, we can rejoice in him and have peace for our weary souls. Amen. And friends, that's what this entire lesson was trying to get to, I think, was the, mm-hmm. the, the reminder, the necessary reminder that we are living in perilous times for sure, and politically, economically, ecologically, all kinds of things. It's going downhill. But we can nevertheless rejoice in Christ and be at peace in all things because we have him. And that is a blessed promise. That's right. On Friday's lesson from Gospel Workers, the first paragraph there, halfway through that first paragraph, it says, Because we can trust his wisdom and love, we should not ask him to concede to our will, but should seek to enter into, accomplish his purpose, into and accomplish his purpose, our desires and interests should be lost in his will. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the point, is that God's God's got this thing, and he's got you and me, if we choose to lay our lives in his hand, and we can have peace that passes understanding. I think that's an important point, and I'm happy that we have concluded this study. It's an important theme. And as we close, can you give us a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the peace that is ours in Jesus. We pray for that, uh, the realization of that peace for every one of our our listeners and viewers, as well, Lord, as those who will benefit from the teaching of this Sabbath school lesson. 
uh, of all times in earth's history, we need that peace of Christ now, and we pray that that would be a witness that would move others to want to know more of the God that we love and serve. Thank you for hearing and answering, for we pray these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.